All right. Well, good morning, North Shore. How are you doing? Wonderful. I hear you. All right. I have to start with an announcement. I've been commissioned to do this. In the back of your bulletin, Life Together, it talks about an all-church prayer gathering. That has been changed. We don't know when we're going to do it. We know gathering and praying together is essential and it's important, um, and we want to do it. So we want to pick the right date. That date, June 6th, that's listed, just doesn't quite work, okay? So there will be an all-church prayer gathering. We just don't know when, sometime in June. Okay, if you see Lisa Jacobs, let her know I did that, okay? It's gonna go well for me. Well, let's start with prayer this morning, okay? Ah, Father God, we love you. We thank you. It's good to be in your house. Father, I just pray this morning as we gather, we come with purpose and you call us here for purpose, to do your good work in our lives. So Father, I pray we just surrender to the things that you'd have for us that would be changed because we encountered you this morning. So we love you and we thank you and we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen, amen. All right, well, I've got the distinct pleasure of giving the last message in our Holy Spirit series. Yeah, pop those if you want a Bible, because that is gonna get open today. We're excited about that. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Ushers will get it to you, okay? And if you want something to do while I'm talking about this, we're going to the book of Acts, Acts 1. But it's the last message in the series on the Holy Spirit. And it's a great opportunity, it's the best opportunity to really gather all the teachings that we've been getting and kind of package it together um, and, and to do a great reveal. What do the scriptures say about the Holy Spirit? What do they teach us about this? And so I'm gonna give you a phrase this morning, a little statement. Um, and I want that, it's kind of the teaching. So if you need to leave early, take off, this is what I'm gonna be talking about for the next 30 minutes. God gave you power to change the world. God gave you power to change the world. Now when you hear that statement, often our response is, yeah, right, that sounds like some motivational speech. Hey, you know, or you say, boy, I've done a lot of living. I thought I was gonna change the world when I was young, but pff, no, I'm just trying to get by and get to retirement and avoid our early death. Right? Some of you say, well, I'm too young. I don't have enough experience, enough. I, I can't change the world. I don't have it within me. Well, God has a different story for you. Uh, and we're going to look at that. So turn to Acts 1, and we're going to look at God's story. And it starts with the promise. Acts 1, verse 1. And Luke wrote the book of Acts. Uh, he also wrote the Gospel of Luke. So he's making reference there. In the first book, O Theopolis, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So what he's doing here, he says, uh, remember the works of God. Remember the works of Jesus. The gospel. Remember the gospel. He goes, but there's another phase. There's something coming. I've got a promise for you. It's not over. Something's going to happen. Check this out. 
Verse four, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise, hear that? Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So what he says is this, okay, you got the work of Jesus that you experience is incredible. You know, he died, he rose again, whoa. But there's more. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now for them, they understood baptism. They saw John do it. And what baptism represented to them was immersion, okay? And it comes from the term of a cloth that you dye, that you fully immerse in the dye and then bring it out and it's a new color. So they understood this, said, okay, I'm gonna change you. You're gonna get a new identity. It's all gonna change. And they're like, whoa, okay. Now they start to ask questions, well, why? That's huge, Is everything's gonna change. Why? He has an answer. Go down to verse eight. Why the baptism of the Holy Spirit? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He says, here's why. You're gonna be my witness. That's our calling is to be his witness. You wonder why, why am I here? Why are we on earth? You are here to be his witness. The Apostle Paul says in, in Philippians says, to, to die is gain. It's better to get out of this crazy world, right? And that's when you guys just say, amen, right? It'd be better to get out of this mess. But he says, to live is Christ. Because he says, you're gonna be my witnesses. We are gonna be Christ-like. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, is to come into our lives and transform us and change us into the likeness of Christ, to be like Jesus, to be his witness. So when people experience you, they experience Jesus. When they come and get a taste of your world and your life, they get a taste of Jesus, his calling. Their lives are changed and transformed when they encounter his witness, you, when they're baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we're here. That sounds difficult and hard, doesn't it? It's like, whoa, okay, I'm out. There is some good news, okay? Check this out. In verse eight, he says, you, singular, you, 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 right, you, will be my witnesses, plural. There's good news. You've got partners. You don't have to do it alone. He's given you, given me, the church, the us. And today, we celebrate that. What they're gonna go when they receive the Holy Spirit, uh, they're going to uh, celebrate and observe Pentecost, okay? And that's 50 days after Passover. It's when they came and they celebrate all that God has given them, namely the law, but everything. And they brought their gifts and honored God in that way. Uh, we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. And today is 50 days after Passover or after Easter, okay? We celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's the birthday of the church. So happy birthday to you, okay? Um, Pentecost, so it's coming. The church has power and purpose. 
when they came together, look in uh, chapter two when you go to the end of the story, and look what happened and what they did. So those who received, and this is after the Holy Spirit came and, and all that was happened. So those who received the word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000. You imagine that church service? Imagine we get down here and about 3,000 show up. That'd be pretty impressive and exciting. Pastor Ken would be proud, right? Um, but yeah, so the church um, brought this message of hope and power. And look what happened. It transformed their world, changed it radically. And that's what people need today. That's what our world needs today. Here's something interesting, maybe kind of staggering. You might know this, but our world needs this hope of Jesus as well. They, need, they do, and they need God's people. They need us in the C Seattle region. It ranks in the top five, I think it is, um, uh, of unchurched places in our entire country. Okay, most of us kind of know that, right? Um, but there's another stat coming out. It's a new category called the de-churched. And the de-churched are those who have encountered church and said, no, thank you. So they've experienced, they've come in and seen, looked at churches and now nah, not gonna do church. We rank second in the entire nation of de-churched people. So we have high unchurched, don't go to church, high D-church, a lot of people not in church, and we also have a, um, a gathering of millennials in our region because of the tech industry. Now, actually, a lot of them live up in Snohomish County, our area, because they can't afford houses in Seattle, but there's a bunch of them there, and millennials are leaving and not going to church at record numbers. You know why? Because they come to church and say, I can't find God there. There's no power there. You know, it's not relevant to what is going on. And so they're finding God other places and not in the church. Our world desperately needs people that will live in power and be the witness of Jesus Christ. Because John 17, Jesus was praying to the Father. And he says, Father, as you sent me into the world, so I send them. We were called into this space to do a powerful, mighty work in the name of Jesus Christ. And our world desperately needs it. It desperately needs you to change the world, and you can do it. So that's a big thing. How do we do it? How are we gonna do this? Well, he's given us power. He's given us power to change the world. And I wanna start with something we have to understand um, before we go, and, and that is what I call a missing strength. And, and there's a story that illustrates it. There's this father and this son. They're out on the country road, going on a drive, and they came across a log that was across the road, and they stopped because they couldn't pass, and the father said to the son, hey, will you go and move that? Son, you know, little, little boy, yeah, I'm going to show dad, so he runs out there, gets a hold of that log, and he starts straightening, it. Like, oh, can't quite do it, so he comes back, dad, I can't do it, and the father says, yes, you can, use all your strength. So he goes back out there. So he's gonna re get there. He just who puts it into it. Ah, works, works, works. <sighs> Comes back. Ah, Dad, I can't do it. And the father says, "Yes, you can. Use all your strength." Now a little frustrated, right? Goes back around. He just grabs that log and he's heaving. He's sweating. He almost starts crying. He comes back in to the truck and says, "Dad, I can't do it." And the father says, "Yes, you can. Use all your strength." He says, Dad, I am. He says, no, you're not. 
you haven't asked me. And they got out and moved the log. See, we need churches that will use all their strength. God has given us power to change the world. And that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Too many of us churches aren't using all our strength. Unfortunately, that's my testimony. Uh, both of my daughters, you might see a picture pop up here in a second. There they are. That's my daughters, Sydney on the right, Stephanie on the left. Um, great girls. Um, both of them, right after high school, uh, went to an internship in Australia. And there, um, uh, six months, doing a bunch of stuff there, Christian internship, powerful experiences with God. Uh, the youngest one, Stephanie, calls me up, says, Dad, I have a question for you. Okay, you know, you never know when your kids ask you, like, oh, here it comes. Um, she says, um, it starts off good, kind of gets bad later. Says, you, um, you taught me about the Father and his will for our lives, and I watched you be obedient to that. So thank you for that. You know, so all right, okay, yeah, I did that, didn't I? Um, she says, you taught us about Jesus and the powerful, redeeming work of Jesus. Thank you for that. And I'll like, yeah, you're welcome, right? Um, but then she said this, why didn't you teach us about the Holy Spirit? See, my theological and doctrinal upbringing was very conservative. Did I believe in the Holy Spirit? Did I know what the scriptures taught about the Holy Spirit? Yes. But he was kind of in the back room. If I was talking about Jesus, the Holy Spirit was working. Just kind of over here, yeah, yeah, this, it's, it's a ghost, it's out there, it's the Holy Spirit, and we don't talk about that. We just, it's about Jesus, all we talked about. She says, Dad, as I look at my life and some of the things that were really hard, if I would have known that I had this power in my life, maybe, just maybe, it would have made a difference. And I've made different choices. And some of this pain I have in my life, maybe wouldn't have, I'd had that. Uh, and I repented, because she was right. She was right. Uh, so I'm sorry. Uh, and that started awakening up and a revival in my life toward the Holy Spirit. You see, I was living a two-legged Trinity existence when God wants the full Trinity at work in my life. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we have to understand that we need to use all of our strength. Church, if we're gonna make a difference, if we're gonna make a difference in our world and change it, it's going to come through the powerful work of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit that he promises for us, this next step, and we have to step into that. I needed to step into that, and God is doing a great work in my life through that. So, you wanna meet the Holy Spirit? I think they are probably getting pretty excited about this time. Go to chapter two. Let's meet the Holy Spirit. Verse one. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. 
And there's some things we can learn as we look at this. It's teaching some things that scripture teaches all throughout. Uh, so it says suddenly, okay? No man controlled it, right? Uh, suddenly, it, it, there's a will there. And we see a will there. It's the evidence of personhood. See, the Holy Spirit is a person and not an it, not a thing, but a person. And that's important because the Father's a person. Jesus, we totally understand, is a person. Likewise, the Holy Spirit is a person. And scripture teaches that throughout. It also teaches us, it says, suddenly from heaven, scripture teaches us that it's deity, that it's God. It's not just a support system. It's actually God. So we had a person in God. And what that does for us, it gives us rules of engagement of how we're gonna interact with the Holy Spirit. And just like you do the Father and the Son, right? You're gonna love them. You're gonna walk with them. You're gonna talk to the Holy Spirit. You're gonna be a friend with the Holy Spirit. You're gonna walk together. And, and, and the word is intimacy, this deep abiding relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's where I have. And I love this next section he says, he says, like a, a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Okay, what that shows us, I love it, is mighty. And I like this. You can kind of tell I'm an excitable guy. Uh, Ex-football coach, so uh, I just like this. A mighty. What I need is a God. If I'm going to be asked to change the world, I need a God that is powerful and mighty. Okay? Not passive. Somebody that can get out and do amazing things. Somebody that can take dead things and make them alive again. I need that. We need that. If we're gonna change the world, we need a mighty, mighty God, and we have one, and the Holy Spirit is that. I love what he does here. So it's like a rushing wind, and the Spirit is described as wind throughout the scriptures. And there's two kinds of winds that come to mind in that. The first is the wind behind sail, okay? So you set sail up, and you're gonna go to a destination, a place, and the wind comes behind and, and, and doesn't pull you, right? It pushes you. See, the Holy Spirit, like that, comes in and pushes you with gentleness, with kindness, to the place he has you to go, okay? To the calling he has for you to be his witness. He will take you that, to that place, that spot, what that looks like in your life. The next thing, uh, the wind, breath, life. Spirit represents life. New life, change life. The spirit comes in and it, and it fills the entire room. What it does in our life, it radically fills and transforms us, changes us, makes the old new. You're a new creation because of the work of the Holy Spirit in you. You are not the same when you are baptized by the Holy Spirit. You know, and it's my testimony, I, I get this. I uh, had an experience when I was in second grade. I was sent to a Christian school. They quickly kick, kicked me out. But in that time, I prayed a prayer. Uh, I'll tell you that story some other day. Um, uh, I received Jesus as a little kid, but nothing. No disciples of nothing, just back into the craziness that was my life. Um, and at 23 years old, um, I had a wife, daughter, the oldest one in that picture. And uh, a, f a friend of ours asked me if I wanted to go to this thing. And it was called Promise Keepers, 
okay? Okay. Yeah, I promise you, all right? And so we uh, drove down um, from Eastern Washington University where I was in college and went to Boise, Idaho, to a baseball stadium where this promise keepers happened. So we got up there, you know, I didn't know what to expect, never been to anything like that. We sat in the back, of course, right, because this is kind of weird, uh, right uh, above the, uh, the outfield fence, okay, it's in a baseball stadium. Um, so they're doing their thing up there, and it comes to the thing that you all know, and I didn't know what it was, but the altar call, you know what I mean? The altar call came, and I didn't know what that was, but boy, sitting there in that uh, Wellington Boone, he's speaking, boom, boom, boom. Finally, I turned to my friend, and I said, I don't even know why. I said, I got to go. Uh, and I, I left over that wall, landed on my feet, and I went up there. I didn't run, but I felt like running. That's what I felt. Whatever this was, I was getting called to it. So I go up there, boom. I drop on my knees. I put my arms like this. And I said, I don't get this. I don't know what, but here I am. And he gave me a vision, a, a sign, um, and I still see it today. It's, oh, it's given me life all through my ministry. And it says, no, I am going to use you. Okay, I've never had that, you know. I said there were some people came, ended up praying. I walked back, <clears throat> kind of had to go around, got up to my seat finally, and they finished the uh, day and a half conference. Well, at the end of it, God's gonna teach me about his power and where my focus needs to be uh, real quick. And everybody's uh, flooding out. You know what it looks like when an event gets done. And I'm kind of crafty. Uh, it, really slow moving here, but there's a big exit down here and everyone's getting out much faster than us. So well, I'll just, I jumped over the wall before, so I'll just jump over the wall and I'll head on out. So I grabbed all of my papers they'd given me throughout the day, couple days, jumped over that wall. And it's like one of those cartoons. You know when they jump over a cliff and all the, woo, you know? I mean, I just kept falling like how, Charles' wall, I mean, it was easy last time I did it. And I came, hit the warning track, which was dirt, boom, with dirt, papers flew everywhere. I went rolling around. You know, of course, there's thousands of people around me. Um, they're all trying to help me, and I'm fine. I, you know, I, I just learned a lesson. I got up, dust myself off. I said, okay, God is powerful. Because <laughs> I jumped over the wall really easy. Didn't even notice this. And I was humbled. It's not about you, Scott. It's about me, because everyone's helped me. Uh, and I left, and I went to the place that we were staying uh, that night and called Sandy and was talking to her. And she says, so how was it? And I said, I don't know. She says, but I know this. Everything's going to change. She says, what? I said, I don't know. There's just something inside of me that has shifted. Everything's going to change. And our lives have never been the same from that second forward. Um, God is good, he's powerful. Um, and that's what he does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes in, he displays power, okay? Calls you into God to focus on him and he changes everything. That's the power of God. So we keep going as we meet the Holy Spirit. Verse three, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Well, here's the deal. We, a lot of times we hear that and we get a little freaked out. Um, like, tongues of fire, for, for this, it's no big deal to them. In their upbringing, they understood what fire represented, right? They understood that it represented the presence, the power, and the leading of God. 
You know, they heard about Moses. They understood the burning bush, you know, leading the people out of Egypt, the, the, the pillar of fire, Mount Sinai, right? You know, the fire and the thunder, they got that. In the tabernacle, the offerings, the temple, they got it. This is no big deal to them. Oh, whoa, okay, God's presence. Okay, that's important. But then it got crazy because those tongues of fire came down and divided and rested on them, each of them, it says, individually. And that's the game changer. That's where I was like, whoa, okay, something's different. And what it is, is the Holy Spirit came on each of them and stayed with them. That's the power. It's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's personal. God, Emmanuel, lives in us. He guides us. He partners with us. He leads us. He transforms and changes us into the likeness of Jesus. We can be witnesses and testify to the Son because of this clean temple that we have because of his work and the Holy Spirit residing in there. So how can you do the things God asks you, church? Because of the Holy Spirit indwells you and empowers you, and you can do it. Then it gets cool. Verse four, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. So what he did is he came and he filled them up. And the best analogy I can tell you is it's like your phone battery. Everyone gets that, right? Uh, you know when it's got all your, your charge up, it's good. Um, you've got the fullness of that phone. What happens, he came and he filled them up. He gave them the fullness, everything they need, all the power they need to be the witnesses that he has them to be. You know, it's interesting when our power goes down on our phone. You ever gone to an airport? What do you see now in the last 10 or 15 years? Every little cubby hole, there's someone hunkered down with their phone plugged into the, right? Because the phone's about to die. They're trying to talk to somebody. It's crazy. In our lives are that way. We try to go all different places to find power sources. And what the Holy Spirit does, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it comes and it fills you up. You don't need any other power source. You have everything you need to do the things that God has for you. Well, then he tools them up. Then they begin to speak in tongues and profess the works and testify to the Son, all the works of God, to those there from all over the nations that had converged for Pentecost. And they were blown away, like, what is this? Man, you guys, are you guys drunk? What's happening? And people were getting saved. The world was changing as they were exercising these tools that they got from the fullness of God. And we call them spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us each of you has one, at least one. And what they are, a spiritual gift, are supernatural abilities for kingdom work. And the purpose of them is to empower us to point to Jesus. I'm gonna read the spiritual gifts that are listed in the scriptures. Um, and a lot of times when you read these, you know, uh, so some people are like, well, some of the gifts are done. You know, the sign gifts, nope, no more. Um, and we've got these gifts available today. Here's what I wanna say to you, okay? Um, uh, you know, confession, I'm somebody that believes the gifts are available today. You know, how they're used and stuff, talk about that. But you may not be, and that's fine, okay? It's called the cessationists that believe that the, the gifts some of them, the signs aren't there. Whatever gifts you've been given, 
use those. How's that? Fair enough? Whatever gift you've been given, use that, okay? But here's the gifts. Uh, there's some spiritual offices mentioned in Ephesians 4, 11. Apostles, you know, kind of think of church planners and those, prophets, people professing God, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Romans 12, uh, 6 to 8 mentions prophecies, and that's foretelling the future or foretelling the word of God or professing God's word over somebody. Uh, services or serving, teaching, encouragement, one who gives, generosity, one who leads, leadership, one who shows mercy, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, faith, we all are called to faith, but some people have a, an extra portion and a gift of faith. Healings, again, we're all called to pray healing over, and God uses us to do that sometimes, but some have an extra portion, a gifting of healing. Workings of miracles, you know, that beyond the natural that God can only do. Prophecy, distinguishing spirits, kinds of tongues, interpretations of tongues. Um, you see over in a, later in 1 Corinthians 12, and I like these ones because they're speaking to the church on spiritual gifts, okay? Uh, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healings, helps, guidance, speaking in tongues, and interpreting tongues. So those are the gifts um, that are listed in Scripture. There's other space, parts of Scripture that mention some different gifts, um, and we could debate, is, are those the only gifts or lots of gifts? Uh, what is God giving you? What has God given you to be his witnesses, supernaturally given you? The problem is when you begin to speak on gifts and spiritual gifts, it's one of the great tensions in the church. I mean, we've been given goofy names, full gospel, spirit-filled, you know, things like this. Um, so there's this huge tension and we've divided. Um, how do we handle this? And I love uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 22. It just gives us some tools on how to handle spiritual gifts. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So the first thing is how to handle them is don't quench the spirit. And that, and, and that word means to extinguish or to shut off, to close off. Because when we do that, we shut off the work of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit, like I told you I did, okay? What happens is it renders us ineffective for the mission that he has for us. He's called us to a great work to change the world, and he's empowered us, and oftentimes our churches will say, nope, nope, not gonna do that, won't do that. And so what happens is our only witness becomes our knowledge. Let me tell you, let me give you information, let me give you information. Remember, and later in Acts, uh, what was astonishing the people was not the knowledge, but they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. The power of that and the Holy Spirit, that's what did the good work. And church, God has called me. Before I came here four years ago and I was praying for coming here, God told me, says, Scott, I want you to go be part of a revival at North Shore Christian Church. I'm here because I believe in my whole heart that God is going to do a great work for himself here at North Shore. And I know this. I know this because Scripture tells us it will be because we have surrendered and we are using all of our strength, okay? And we're not quenching the Holy Spirit, okay? Stay with me here, okay? Uh, you also have to have the right attitude. 
okay? We need to give freedom, okay? We need all the gifts. We need all the gifts. To do this work we have, we need all the gifts, okay? And we need to value the gift that you have. I don't speak in tongues, okay? But I got some friends that do. You know, and you always hear about that, you know, there's this tension. That's one of the great tensions things. I'm not sure why, but it is. And so the deal is, okay, you know, God has given me the gift of words of wisdom, okay? I'm going to do my thing. You do your thing. Let's do it in the name of Jesus and change the world, right? Let's do that. Let's stop saying, oh, I wish I'd have yours. You're more this or that. Boy, you've got a better Christian life. Look at you. No, God doesn't work that way. He says, I love you. I've given you Holy Spirit when you receive me, okay? Use the gift I've given you to be the witness I have you to be. We can't say, well, you need to come have this gift. This is the gift. No, God doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way at all. Okay, the next thing we are called to test everything. Test everything, because we want a work of the Holy Spirit, not just any spirit, amen? Yes, and we use the word of God, because remember, the Holy Spirit will testify to the works of Jesus, okay? So if it doesn't testify to Jesus and point to Jesus and clarify Jesus and his work, it might be a spirit, but it's not the spirit. The fruits of the spirit will always be present in the work of the spirit, okay? So if it doesn't have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, it is not of God. It is not the Holy Spirit. It might be a spirit, but it's not the spirit. And Ephesians 4 tells us the spirit will bring unity. This unity comes when it's about the experience and not about the presence of God. If I can give you a, a warning, okay, when you start looking at the Holy Spirit, some people go after the experience of the Holy Spirit, and God never calls us into that. He calls us into presence, about stepping into the presence of God, because here's what I'll guarantee, okay? I guarantee you, if you step into the presence of God, you will always have the experience of God. But if you go after the experience of the Holy Spirit, you just might miss the presence of God. And many people have done that, chasing an experience, and God doesn't want that. He wants you to chase and receive the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that will always bring unity to us. I'm gonna invite the band to come forward, and we're gonna talk just a little bit about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And we talk uh, as a pouring out and you know, how, to, how to acknowledge, how to receive the Holy Spirit. Um, right away, this big tension point arises, okay? Um, it's what's the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What's the filling? And when do they happen? Do they happen at salvation? Or is there a subsequent experience that you get the full Holy Spirit? Okay, you guys are getting to know me well enough. Let's just put that over here. Let's talk about that some other time, whatever. I, I personally believe that there's just one baptism, okay, that's me, but I got friends that think there's a secondary experience. Okay, you know, that's not the most important question. You know what it is? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit active in your life, empowering you? That's the question to me, the real question. And then you can reverse that and kind of figure the other stuff out. Want to talk about that? Great. But the question is, do you have the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit active in your life? Acts 2.38 tells us, uh, it says this. 
And after Peter gave his message at Pentecost, talked about Jesus and the works of Jesus, uh, they were cut to the heart. And they said, what are we supposed to do? Peter says this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And listen here, here's the promise, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It starts with receiving Jesus Christ as your savior. It's to take your heart, your life, and surrender it to him. Say, I am a sinner, I can't do this on my own. I need your work in my life. I'm a sinner and I ask for forgiveness. Come in and be the Lord of my life. I give it to you and receive him. He says, if you will do that, you will get the Holy Spirit. You might be here today and you've never done that. You might have sat in church for 20, 40 years. You might just start coming, but you've never said, Jesus, yes to Jesus, come in my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I encourage you, today is the day. Say yes. Don't let being embarrassed, oh, how do I just, you say yes. I jumped over a wall and I ran for it. We're gonna play some songs, we're gonna be up here praying, you stand up, you come for it, right? Receive Jesus Christ and you will have the Holy Spirit. Another aspect in Luke 11, Jesus is talking to some of his disciples and he says this to them, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus had the Holy Spirit, he could have breathed the Holy Spirit on them, right? It's right there, they have it but they're not living in the power of it. And oftentimes, for us Christians, you have the Holy Spirit, but you're not acknowledging it. It's a distant, it's some information on the pages of a Bible. It's not a power presence in your life. And you have to wake that up. You have to ask, invite that spirit. Spirit, I want the fullness of God, the Trinity, all of it working. I'm tired of having a flat faith, of just going to church for social reasons. I want a God that can move mountains. I need him. You ask for him, ask for the Holy Spirit, engage the Holy Spirit. The last thing is surrender. Ephesians 5, 18, and do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's about control. It's an imperative in scriptures that we surrender to the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times it's just areas of our life. There's this area just holding us up. Man, I got anger issues. Um, I just, my finances, I'm just, uh, I haven't given them to God. It's our marriage relationship. You know, it, it's pornography. It's my tongue. I lie. I, 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 I say things I shouldn't have say. It's my heart attitude. I'm judgmental. I'm critical. I gossip. Whatever, there's areas in our life that God is saying, surrender it to me because those are hindrance of the Holy Spirit. And we can engage the Holy Spirit. You may have one of those today to say, I'm tired, I'm tired of that owning my life and being such a big part. I'm, I'm gonna give it to God. You come up and you pray with people, okay? Talk to God, this is what families do. We just pray together. You know, you might be someone just needs something to, to lay hands and just pray for you, pray the word of God over you. You come up. This is what the Christian family does. Let's all, you know, understand that God gave us a power to change the world and we're gonna do it in North Shore with the power of the Holy Spirit.